Blog Talk Radio. You are listening live to the Alex Cardinal Show, your one stop for news, sports, current events, current news, politics, and fun. With plenty of action packed into this show, there is something for everyone. What will Alex be talking about today? Want to call in and interact with Alex? Call in live at 1 3236421605. Now, coming to you live from Springfield, Massachusetts, is the crazy Alex Cardinal. Take it away, Alex. You are tuned into the Weekly News Hour here on the Alex Cardinal Show. Alex is going to recap the latest in this week's current news, sports, entertainment, and much more. Plus, he will take a blast from the past, and we will all learn about this day in history. So let's get this news station started. The News Hour is ready for blast off, starting now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special snowy Saturday night edition episode of the Alice Cardinelli Show. I'm your host, Alice Cardinelli, and I certainly hope you guys are enjoying your Saturday. Thank you for tuning into the show, whether you're listening live or you're listening in the archive. I appreciate all the listens I get. Now tonight, I'm going to be doing my weekly news hour. So whether you're listening live or you're listening in the archive, I appreciate your listens. Anyway, sorry, I got ba- uh, backtracked. I heard my uh, show playing on another computer. So let me catch up back to what I was saying before. Now, I was supposed to do this show yesterday, but I was sick, and I am feeling a lot better today. So here we are today on this fine Saturday night, and we're going to be doing the weekly news hour on a Saturday for the very first time. So this is going to be wonderful, and I've got a great show for you. So for the very first time in history, not only do we have a very first Saturday night show on the Alice Cornelli Show, but we're also doing our first weekly news hour on Saturday. Next Friday, our weekly news hour returns to Friday. All right, so this is just a one-time thing. Next week's news hour show will be back on Friday. All right, so tonight is going to be normal. Today I'm going to talk about today in history. I'll talk about January 24th in history. I'll give out the weekly news. I'll discuss sports news. I'll do a WWE Monday Night Raw and WWE SmackDown review as WWE SmackDown comes on the Alex Cornelli Show. I'll do quote time with Alex, and I'll do news for the Alex Cardinelli Show. So I've got a lot of news to talk about tonight. Um, weekly news we've got to talk about. We've got some sports news to talk about. We'll talk about who made the Super Bowl, even though it is a week-old news. And we'll talk about some wrestling news as well. I've got a lot of great news for you tonight. Now, don't forget, you can call in live at one three two three six four two one six zero five with any questions you might have. Um, I would love to answer your calls. 
That's one three two three six four two one six zero five. Go ahead and call and report any new stories from your local area, or call in and tell us who you think is going to win the Super Bowl. One three two three six four two one six zero five. Share your thoughts on who thinks going to win the Super Bowl, and um, share any new stories you want to share with us, or anything of that nature. Well, we've got a lot to talk about, so let's get started shall we? Well, well, welcome to Today in History being brought to you by Jam Books, your leader in guitars and guitar supplies. So let's find out how historic today is. Awesome. And we're going to start today's news hour the same way we start our previous news hour. So let's start with Today in History. Today is Saturday, January 24th, the 24th day of 2015. There are 341 days left in the year. Today's highlight in history, on January 24th, 1965, British statesman Winston Churchill died in London at age 90. On this date, In 1848, James W. Marshall discovered a gold nugget at Sumter's Mill in North California, a discovery that led to the gold rush of of 1849, rather. In 1908, the Boy Scouts movement began in England under the aegis of Robert Baden Powell. In 1935, beer was first sold in cans in Richmond, Virginia, by the Gottfried Kruger Brewing Company. In 1942, the Roberts Commission placed much of the blame for America's lack of preparedness for Imperial Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor. In 1985, the Space Shuttle Discovery was launched from Cape Canaveral on the first secret all-military shuttle mission. In 1989, confessed serial killer Theodore Bundy was executed in Florida's electric chair. Ten years ago, the United Nations broke with years of protocol and commemorated the 60-year anniversary of the liberation of the Nazi death camps, directly linking its own funding with the end of the Holocaust in some of the strongest language ever. Five years ago, in an automated message, Osama bin Laden endorsed the failed attempt to blow up a U.S. airliner on Christmas Day and threatened new attacks against the United States. The ending up was Colts beat the New York Jets 30-17 in the AFC Championship game. The New Orleans Saints of the NFC made it to their first Super Bowl after battering the Minnesota Vikings 38-21 in overtime. Bowler Kelly Kulak became the first woman to win a PBA Tour title, beating Chris Barnes in the final of the 45th Tournament of Champions in Las Vegas. Actor Pornell Roberts, 81, died in Malibu, California. That was five years ago in 2010. Yes, I know, it's hard to believe 2010 was five years ago, but time certainly does fly by. Today's birthdays. Actor Jerry Murren, film The Wizard of Oz, is 96 years old. 
Actor Marvin Kaplan, TV Top Cat, is 88. Cajun musician Doug Kershaw is 79. Singer-songwriter Ray Stevens is 76. Singer-songwriter Neil Diamond is 74. Singer Arian Nivelle is 74. Actor Michael Antken is 69. Actor Danielle Altley is 65. Country singer-songwriter Becky Hobbs is 65. Comedian Yakovi Smirnoff is 64. Actor William Allen Young is 61. Band leader musician Joel Holland is 57. Actress Nastasia Kinski is 56. Rhythm and blues singer Seal Peoples is 54. Country musician Keith Rainwater is 52. White House Budget Director Sean Donovan is 49. Comedian Phil Lamar is 48. Olympic gold medal gymnast Mary Lee Retton is 47. Rhythm and blues singer Sleepy Brown is 45. Actor Matthew Lillard is 45. Actress Merle McComas is 44. Blues rock singer Beth Hart is 43. Actor Ed Holmes is 41. Actor Mark Hildress, TV Reconstruction, is 32. Actress Tatiana Ally is 36. Rock musician Mitchell Marley, Filter, is 36. Actor Justin Baldini, TV Jane Diversion, is 31. And actress Misha Barton is 29. And Misha is the youngest of all those people that have birthdays today. And of all those people that got birthdays today, they all got weird and hard to pronounce names. Isn't that something? Wow, that's strange. That's the first time that I've had a hard time pronouncing some of these names. Or actually my second time that I've had a hard time pronouncing some of these names. But hey, it's okay. I'm not good at pronouncing names. All right. So, today's thought, thought for today, to improve is to change. So, to be perfect is to have changed often. From Winston Churchill, 1874 to 1965. And basically what Winston is saying, when you change your plans, it's often always for the better. So don't be afraid to change your plans. And that is today's history for January 24th, which is today. This just in. It's time for the weekly news. Here's Alex Cardinale with this week's news. All right. Well, we've got a plenty of news to share with you. I'd like to give a very special shout out to our new our news reporter this week, Jeff. Shared some wonderful news a couple weeks ago actually. He sent me an email and I got some of this news from him. So a good shout out to our news reporter, Jeff, for the news this week. Anyways, I've got plenty of news to share with you. So let's get started. All right. Our first news story is a rather unusual one, but Yankees announcer John Sterling, among hundreds, is placed because of fire in Edgewater, New Jersey. 
Hampered by winds and frigid temperatures, firefighters battled a huge fire Wednesday night at a New Jersey apartment complex that sent flames sky high and smoke visible from New York City across the Hudson River. There were no initial reports of injuries in the blaze that broke out about 4.30 p.m. at the Avalon at Edgewater in the city of Edgewater, located along the Hudson River across from Manhattan. Authorities said everyone in the four-story building apparently was able to get out safely. They had not determined the cause of the fire yet. Residents were ordered to evacuate and were led to a nearby school. As the fire continued to rage, hundreds who lived at the complex, including New York Yankees announcer John Sterling, wondered what would be left of their homes. I, do, I don't know what to expect. Now I have nowhere to go, and I need a toothbrush, Sterling told the New York Daily News after finding an old hotel room. Plums of thick black smoke issued from the blaze, and New York emergency officials advised residents in Manhattan and the Bronx that they might see or smell smoke. Edgewater Mayor Michael McPartland declared a local state of emergency. He said schools would be closed on Thursday and access to roads would be restricted until further notice. Hours after the fire started, the entire building was engaged in flames, the Virgin Record reported. Hazu Abdal told the newspaper he was at work when a colleague called to tell him about the fire, so he rushed home. I can't believe it, he said. It's all ashes now. He told the newspaper he planned to stay at a friend's house. Authorities cornered off some streets around the burning building, but no major traffic problems were reported. More than 14 years ago, a fire started at the same location where a five-story condominium complex was under construction and destroyed nine homes and damaged several others. The August 30th, 20, uh, 30th 2000 fire forced the evacuation of dozens of nearby residents, including patients at a nearby nursing home. The cause was never determined, although investigators ruled out arson. In a civil lawsuit, a jury found that negligence by the developer of the Avalon River Muse contributed to the 2000 blaze. Avalon Bay Communities, a Virginian-based developer, was managing the construction of the $75 million complex at the state of the former Alcala factory. And that was definitely a very, very unique story. All right, on to our next story, and I can assure you this is a very, very strange story, and you're going to say, wow, this is very weird. I can tell you it is a very, very weird story, and you're probably going to say that is kind of strange and kind of weird. So here is our next story. Something out of alien, rare frilled shark caught off of Australian coast. It looks like something out of alien, but it has more in common with Jurassic Park. It's a rare frilled shark that has been caught by a fisherman in Australia where no one remembers ever seeing one caught before. 
With a mouth packed full of needle-like teeth and body like an eels, the six-foot-long frill shark is sometimes described as a fish fossil that dates back 80 million years. David Gullett says that it's like nothing he or his fellow fishmen have ever seen in the deep waters in Australia's southwest. It was really prehistoric-looking, freaky really, Gullett said. He caught the fish while trawling her fish at 101,000 meters a week ago and thought he might have discovered some new type of shark. I've been fishing 30 years and never saw anything like it, so I brought it in, he said, by phone from his boat Thursday. Honestly, we thought we had caught a brand new species, maybe discovered something wild. The shark is known to live at extreme depths in both the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, but is very infrequently caught because its habitat is mostly off-limits to fishing, said Simon Boss of Australia's Southeast Trawl Fishing Industry Association. Gullet said that the frilled shark was still alive when he got to the surface, but it did not live after being pulled up from the frigid depths. So he offered it to a local museum. And I think that is pretty cool that he actually reeled in a pretty unique and rare animal. And it was pretty, it's pretty good that he donated it to a museum where other people can study it and learn about this very unique creature. And I'd like to see a frilled shark in person, but I'd have to travel all the way to Australia and go deep, 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 deep down the ocean to see one. So maybe one day I'll go see the museum that that frilled shark is in. I'm dreaming, ain't I? All right, move on down to our next story. Uncle left nine-year-old twins home alone for months, officials say. A pair of nine-year-olds in New Hampshire were left alone for days at a time over five months in their family's apartment with just Roman noodles to eat and no operable telephone and now safely in the care of their parents, according to court affiliate. A twin's uncle, who had been entrusted to care for them, has been charged with endangering children, according to Michael Valentine, Hillsborough County assistant attorney. The charge is a misdemeanor. Gabriel Atora told police he agreed to watch his brother and sister-in-law's twin boys while the couple traveled to Nigeria in July. But instead of moving into the apartment, Ateria said he checked on the children three days a week. The children told officials who were called to the home that they would wake for school on their own, get ready for school, get on the bus, and eat breakfast and lunch at school, according to the affidite. Atora said he told the children to call him if they needed anything, such as food or help with their homework. But because the phone in the apartment wasn't operable, he instructed them to use a neighbor's phone. Officials visited the home after the New Hampshire Division for Child, Youth, and Families received a call from the children's school. A police officer said there was no edible food in the refrigerator and only Roman noodles in the cabinets. 
The boy's parents were supposed to return from Nigeria after a month, but were held up because of illness and passport issues. They told police they had spoken to Tara by phone while they were gone and were told everything was okay. According to Valentine, the parents arrived shortly after learning the children had been left alone and they do have custody of their children. No charges are expected to be filed against the parents because they left the children in the care of the uncle, Valentine said in a release. And that is a very different story that you don't hear too often, but it's a story that ends good and the children are back with their parents where they belong. All right. Now, this is going to be a story that I know might offend some of you listeners, but it's a story that I need to share with you this week. The United States of America is not expected to fault officer in the Ferguson case. Justice Department lawyers will recommend that no civil rights charges be brought against the police officer who fatally shot an unarmed teenager in Ferguson, Missouri, after an FBI investigation found no evidence to support charges, law enforcement officers said Wednesday. Attorney General Eric H. Holder, Jr. and his civil rights chief, Vanita Gapta, will have the final say on whether the Justice Department will close the case against the officer, Darren Wilson. But it would be unusual for them to overrule the prosecutors on the case who are still working on a legal memo memo explaining their recommendation. A decision by the Justice Department would bring an end to the politically charged investigation of Mr. Wilson and the death of 18-year-old Michael Brown. The Missouri authorities concluded their investigation into Mr. Brown's death in November and also recommended against charges. Well, Spring United Methodist Church in Ferguson, Missouri, played host Sunday to members of the Congressional Black Caucus. In Ferguson, push for criminal justice reform draws comparisons to 60s fight for civil rights. But a broader Justice Department and civil rights investigation into allegations of discriminatory traffic stops and excessive force by the Ferguson Police Department remains open. That investigation could lead to significant changes at the department, which is overwhelmingly white despite serving a city that is mostly black. Benjamin Crump, a lawyer for Mr. Brown's family, said he did not want to comment on the investigation until the Justice Department made an official announcement. We've heard speculation on cases before that did not turn out to be true, Mr. Crumb said. It's too much to put the family through to respond to every rumor. Mr. Wilson's lawyer did not return calls for comment. Mr. Brown's death touched out protests and violent clashes between demonstrators and heavily armed police in Ferguson. The episode, along with the death of Eric Gardner, an unarmed black man who died at their chokehold by a New York police officer in July set off a nationwide discussion about policing, race, and the use of deadly force. President Obama, Mr. Holder, and Mayor B. 
or actually Mayor Bill DeBlesso of New York, speaking about the issue in personal terms, said they understand the concern that minority neighborhoods have with the police. Those comments prompted revoke from some law enforcement groups. Soon after the shooting, witnesses told reporters that Mr. Brown had his hands up in a gesture of surrender when he was shot and killed by Mr. Wilson on a city street. The FBI investigation, however, painted a murkier picture. Mr. Wilson told investigators that Mr. Brown had tussled with him through the window of his police car and tried to grab his gun, an account supported by bruises and DNA of evidence. Two shots were fired during the struggle. What happened next as the confrontation moved into the street is in dispute. While some witnesses were adamant that Mr. Brown had his hands up, some recanted their stories. Mr. Wilson testified that Mr. Brown had charged at him, and other witnesses back up his account. I'm backpedaling pretty good because I know if he reaches me, he'll kill me, Mr. Wilson told the state grand jury in testimony that investigators said was consistent with what he told the FBI. And he started to lean forward as he got that close, like he was just going to tackle me, just go right through me. Mr. Holder said that the Justice Department's investigation into Mr. Brown's death would be independent from one conducted by the local authorities. While the FBI and local officials conducted some interviews together and shared evidence, the analysis and decision-making were separate. Mr. Holder resisted calls from local officials to announce his conclusion alongside the county prosecutor last year, in part because it did not want it to appear as if they had reached their decisions together. Federal investigators... Investigators interviewed more than 200 people and analyzed cell phone audio and video, the law enforcement officials said. Officer Wilson's gun, clothing, and other evidence were analyzed at the FBI laboratory in Quintico, Virginia. Though the local authorities and Mr. Brown's family conducted autopsies, Mr. Holder ordered a separate autopsy, which is conducted by pathologists, from the Armed Forces Medical Examiner's Offices at Dover Air Force Base in Delaware, the official said. The federal investigation did not uncover any facts that differ significantly from the evidence made public by the authorities in Missouri late last year, the law enforcement official said. To bring federal civil rights charges, the Justice Department would have needed to prove that Officer Wilson had intended to violate Mr. Brown's rights when he opened fire and that he had done so willingly, meaning he knew that it was wrong to fire but did so anyway. All right, and that is that story. So we'll have to find out next week if that's, if uh, Officer Wilson will be charged with civil rights, breaking the civil rights law or not. All right, on to our next story. Mother outraged at satanic symbol in a school bus brake lights. A Tennessee parent is upset after she says she saw a satanic pentagram on a school bus. The mom told WMC she snapped a photo of the brake light on a Durham school services bus in Cordova. Anyone who fears a God, if not God and Jesus Christ, should be outraged, 
said the mother, who was not identified because she's reportedly receiving death threats after sharing the photo on social media. The mother says it's appalling the brake lights are shaped like a pentagram. If you can't put a cross on there, you can't put a pentagram on it, she said. The woman pointed to a Walgreens decision last year to remove wrapping paper from a shelf because images on the paper appeared to be those of swastikas. Would we allow a swastika, for instance, to be on the back of a bus, said the mother. One woman, who identified herself as practicing Wiccan, looked at the photo and said it did look like a pentagram. But she said the symbol is the same for her faith as the cross is for Christians. Wiccans, we believe in God. We believe in Jesus. But we don't call him God, said Joe Applewhite. Find out what it really means before you start getting riled up and work out about something. Applewood says people may be fussing over nothing. Go find out if it was essential, she said. School district officials have not publicly commented on the school bus lights. And that's actually one I have no comment for because I don't usually follow anything of that magnitude. All right. Well, here's a story that's going to be kind of controversial this week. Baker faces complaint for refusing anti-gay message on cake. Denver, Colorado. A dispute over a cake in Colorado raises a new question about gay rights and religious freedom. If bakers can be fined for refusing to serve married gay couples, can they also be punished for declining to make a cake with anti-gay statements? A baker in suburban Denver who refused to make a cake for a same-sex wedding is fighting a legal order requiring him to serve gay couples even though he argued that would violate his religious beliefs. But now, a separate case puts a twist in the debate over discrimination in public businesses and to underscore the tensions that can arise when religious freedoms intersect with a growing acceptance of gay couples. Margie Sylvia, owner of Denver's Ascar Bakery, is facing complaints from a customer alleging she discriminated against his religious beliefs. According to Sylvia, the man who visited last year wanted a Bible-shaped cake, which she agreed to make. Just as they were getting ready to clean Getting ready to complete the order, Sylvia said the man showed her a piece of paper with hateful words about gays that he wanted written on the cake. He also wanted the cake to have two men holding hands and an X on top of them, Sylvia said. She said she would make the cake, but declined to write his suggested messages on the cake, telling him she would give him icing and pastry bag so he can write the words himself. Sylvia said the customer did not want that. It's just horrible. It doesn't matter if you know if you're Catholic or Jewish or Christian, if I'm gay or not gay or whatever, said Sylvia. Forty admitting, adding that she has made cakes regularly for all religious occasions. We should all be loving each other. I mean, there's no reason to discriminate. Discrimination complaints to Colorado's Civil Rights Division, which is reviewing the matter, are confidential. 
Sylvia said she would honor the division's policy and would not share the correspondence she had received from state officials on the case. KUSA TV reported the complaint is Bill Jack of Castle Rock, a bedroom community south of Denver. In a statement to the television station, Jack said he believes he was discriminated against by the bakery based on my creed. As a result, I filed a complaint with the Colorado Civil Rights Division. Out of respect for the process, I will wait for the director to release his findings before making further comments. Jack did not respond to emails from the Associated Press seeking comment. No one answered the door at the address listed for Jack in Castle Rock. The case comes as Republicans in Colorado's legislature talk about changing the state law requiring that businesses serve gays in the wake of a series of incidents where religious business owners rejected orders to celebrate gay weddings. Republican Senator Kevin Lundberg said the new case shows a clash of values and argued Colorado's public a culmination law is not working. The state should come in and say to the individual businessman, you must violate your religious, and I'll say religious slash moral convictions. This baker, Sylvia, thought that was a violation of their moral convictions. The other baker, which we all know very well because of all the stories, clearly that was a violation of their religious convictions, Lundberg said. But gay rights advocates say there is a significant difference in the cases. Sylvia refused to put specific words on a cake, while Jake Phillips, the big hero, turned away the gay couple, refused to make any wedding cake for them in principle. There's no law that says that a cake maker has the right obscenities in the cake just because the customer wants it, said Mark Silverstein, legal director of the American Civil Liberties Union in Colorado. Phillips' attorneys had argued in court that requiring him to prepare a gay marriage cake would be akin to forcing a black baker to prepare a cake with white supremacy message. But administrative law judge Robert and Spencer disagreed, writing that business owners can refuse a specific message but not service. In both cases, it is the explicit, unmistakable, offensive message that the bakers are asked to put on a cake that gives rise, that gives rise to the baker's free speech right to refuse administrative law, Judge Robert N. Spencer said. Phil's attorney, Nicole Martin, says she, was, she has sympathy for Sylvia, arguing she is in the same category as her client. I absolutely support her right to decline, Martin said. I support her right as an American to pick up and choose the messages, messages she will express. Sylvia said she still remains shaken up by the incident. I really think I should be the one putting the complaint against him because he has a very discriminating message, she said. And i got to say, I owe a lot of respect to Sylvia for um, declining to do the cake. That is great, and I agree with you, Sylvia. And our last and final news story, which we're going to cover next week, but I'll give you a hint. Red Velvet Oreos. 
That's right, the Oreo company is now going to be making Red Velvet Oreos. We'll have that story next Friday here on the Alice Cardinelli Show Weekly News Hour. So stay tuned because that will be the first story for our Weekly News Hour next Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Red Velvet Oreos, can you imagine that? I'm a big Oreo fan, but there's nothing more in this world that I love than a delicious Oreo and a delicious red velvet cake. I love red velvet cake, and I'm looking forward to having a red velvet Oreo, but we'll discuss that next week. And I do apologize um, because I did make a few mistakes during tonight's show. You might have noticed that, but I would like to apologize for all the mistakes that I've made tonight. All right, coming up next here on the Alice Cardinelli Show, I'm going to be talking about sports news. WWE SmackDown on the Alice Cardinelli Show. Quote time with Alex. And I have the Alice Cardinelli Show news for you. So the fun part of the show is next. Sports news, WWE recap, quote time with Alex, and news for the Alice Cardinelli Show. But right now, we're going to be taking a fun commercial break. We're going to hear some wonderful music during this commercial break. So, we're going to hear some great songs and have fun. Don't forget to call in at one three two three six four two one six zero five to discuss who you think is going to win the Super Bowl after the commercial break. So, let's hear some wonderful music. And, starting today, I'll give you the name of the song and the author of the song. So, let's hear this great commercial break. The Aquatic Wetline is a tropical fish keeping podcast that is dedicated to all the tropical fish keepers. The Aquatic Wetline covers fresh water, salt water, and reptiles. The Aquatic Wetline is the one and only fish keeping podcast hosted by a fish keeper for fish keepers. Aquatic Wetline is one of the original fish keeping podcasts that was the first to be dedicated to freshwater fish on Blog Talk Radio. With over 100 episodes and plenty of new episodes coming to you live each week, Aquatic Wetline is the place to be for all fish keepers. So check us out. blogtalkradio.com forward slash aquaalex Dakota Aquatics Plus is the next best aquarium keeping show here on Blog Talk Radio. Your host of this show, Andrew will dive deep into the topics of freshwater and saltwater fish, reptiles, and other pets. Dakota Aquatics Plus is live every Saturday and is a show that you will enjoy. So check Andrew out. blogtalkradio.com forward slash Dakota Aquatics Plus. Gail Carson is a singer and songwriter who produces some awesome music. Gail Carson is an ASCAP, multi-genre singer-slash-songwriter spanning folk, country, roots, Americana, and a little bit of rock and roll. www.gailcarson.com Gail Carson is also a radio show host of The Gail Carson Show, an original indie artist showcase series broadcast on internet radio stations all over the world. Gail Carson is a professional photographer, videographer, and graphic artist www.gailcarsonphotograph.com Gail Carson is a producer slash engineer. Gail Carson is a music promoter.
Choosing guitar accessories can be expensive and time-consuming, but it doesn't have to be. Jambox will deliver the necessities right to your front door. Jambox is great for players of any age and all experience levels. Try new brands, new products, and get your jam on. Order a Jambox today at www.jamboxcanada.ca. Hey, do you love to cook? Do you love to bake? Well, I've got great news. The fantastic and wonderful Chef Alex is coming to the Alex Cardinelli Show on Tuesday, February 3rd, 2015. That's right, Chef Alex will be hosting a series right here on the Alex Cardinelli Show. The name of the series is Cooking with Alex Cardinelli. And Chef Alex will share his delicious recipes with you, his delicious tips and tricks to make you become a great chef at home. So join Cooking with Alex and the debut live Tuesday, February 3rd, 2015 at 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Alex Cardinelli Show. On our debut episode, Alex will be talking about cookies, cakes, and chocolate. You will get delicious cookies, cakes, and chocolate recipes. So, be prepared for Chef Alex to bake a storm on February 3rd at 8 p.m. Eastern. It's time to get funky right here on the Alex Cardinelli Show. We're going to hear some wonderful music on the Alex Cardinelli Show. I hope you like music, so DJ Alex, take it away and play some wonderful music here on the Alex Cardinelli Show. Yeah! Another one bites the dust. And the first song we're going to hear is actually one of my favorite songs from a live listener. So this is one of the live listeners' favorite songs. Anyways, this song is WWE superstar Randy Orton's entrance. So let's hear this wonderful first song. I Boys and 
All right, the next my ne- the next song we're gonna play is another one of my favorites called My Humps by Black Eyed Peas. So let's hear that song. Gonna do with all that junk, all that junk inside your trunk. I'ma get, 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 get you drunk, get you love drunk off my hump, 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 my lovely little lump. Check it out, I drive these buses crazy, I do it on the daily. They treat me really nicely, they buy me all this ice cream.
this next song is dedicated to one of my mother's friends who recently lost their uncle today. So this next song is dedicated to my mom's friend who lost her uncle. So um, I'd like to say rest in peace to your uncle. And this song is called Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. And this song is dedicated to um, my mom's friend who lost her uncle. So here's Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton.
to the Alex Cardinali show. We hope you enjoy our nice music and commercial break. Let's dive back into the show and find out what's next on the table for discussion. Now back to Alex Cardinali live from the Blog Talk Radio studio. And we're back here live on the Alex Cardinali show and on this fine snowy Saturday evening, we're doing this week's weekly news hour because I was sick yesterday. Now, before commercial break, I discussed today's date in history, and I gave out this week's news. Now, we're at the fun part of the show. I'm going to be discussing sports news. The Alex Carnelli Show will get the SmackDown on, because we're going to be talking about WWE Raw and SmackDown. And I'm going to share my week quotes for you. And we'll share some news for the Alice Cardinelli Show. Now, don't forget, you can call in live at 1-323-642-1605. And I would like to know what team you are cheering for in the NFL Super Bowl 49 next Sunday. And who do you want to win the Super Bowl next Sunday? So who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl next Sunday? Call in live right now, 1-323-642-1605. That's 1-323-642-1605. And that's going to be the call-in question for this week's episode of Weekly News Hour and next week's episode of Weekly News Hour since we've got two weeks, since we've got a week until the Super Bowl and so the Super Bowl takes place next Sunday. All right. So, again, don't forget to call in. one 1605 to discuss who you think is going to win the Super Bowl. All right. So let's move on down to sports news here on the Alice Carnelli Show. Last week, we discussed the AFC and NFC Championship Games. Last weekend, the AFC and NFC Championship Games were played. AFC Championship Game. The New England Patriots beat the Colts 45-7. to 
NFC Championship. The Seattle Seahawks beat the Packers 28-22. And that was a great game, yes, a great game last week. Now, the Seahawks came from behind to beat the Green Bay Packers. That's right. The um, Seahawks came from behind to beat the Packers. And the Packers were actually winning the game for the whole game, but the Seahawks made a last-minute fourth-quarter comeback. I actually thought the Packers were going to the Super Bowl, and I actually thought that we were going to have the Patriots and Packers in the Super Bowl. Last week, I predicted that. I predicted the Packers and Patriots in the Super Bowl. But if you remember correctly, I also predicted the Seahawks and Patriots in the Super Bowl. So I am correct for one of my predictions, because this year's Super Bowl is actually the Patriots and Seahawks. So I am looking forward to that. So this year's Super Bowl, Super Bowl 49, is the Patriots and the Seahawks. That is going to be phenomenal. So who do I think is going to win the Super Bowl? Well, I have to say um, I'm going for the Patriots this year. I think the Patriots are going to take it all in the Super Bowl. I'm not a Patriots fan, and I'm not a Seahawks fan. I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. But I'm going for the New England Patriots. That's going to be a great Super Bowl, and I see the Patriots being a team to beat the Seattle Seahawks. That's going to be phenomenal, and that's going to be fun. So the, the Patriots will beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. But on Wednesday, we're going to do a Super Bowl 49 preview show. That's right. This coming Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to be doing a Super Bowl 49 preview show. So make sure you tune in Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern for that show. And I'll go over why I'm choosing the Patriots then. I'm not going to tell you now because I want to keep it a secret. I'll be going over why I choose the Patriots on Wednesday, um, this Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. All right, now let's go over the news for sports. Eric Mangini hired as 49ers coach, head coach. Eric Mangini, well, actually, sorry, uh, Eric Mangini hired as 49ers defensive coordinator. Eric Mangini, who spent last season as San Francisco's tight end coach, has been hired as the 49ers as their defensive coordinator, sources told ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter on Thursday. Mangini received a three-year contract. According to sources, to join staff on, on the first-time head coach Jim Tomsala. Tomsala had served as the 49ers defensive line coach for the past eight seasons. He was promoted after former 49ers coach Jim Harburg departed to become the coach at the University of Michigan. Although Mangini worked with the offense last season and was a senior offensive consultant in 2013, his coaching roots lie on the defensive side of the ball. He was the New England Patriots defensive backs coach from 2000 to 2004 before being prompted to defensive coordinator in 2005. He then served as the head coach from the New York Jets 2006 to 2008 and Cleveland Browns 2009 to 2010. He worked for ESPN as an NFL annualist in 2011 and 2012. 
Earlier this offseason, Mangini interviewed for the Washington Redskins defensive coordinator gig that ended up going to Joe Barry. Mangini also interviewed for the Oakland Raiders head coaching job that went to Jack Del Rio. Subsequently, Mangini reportedly talked to Del Rio about the possibility of becoming the Raiders defensive coordinator. Former Raiders interim head coach Tony Sparno has been hired by the 49ers to be the team's new tight ends coach, sources told Schefter on Thursday. Mangini replaces Vic Fangio, who left the 49ers and was hired in the same capacity by the Chicago Bears. So that is good. All right. So, um... Again, I want to remind anyone who's listening live, you can go ahead and call in at 1-323-642-1605 and discuss who you think is going to win the Super Bowl. And um, if you do call in, I'm actually going to play your call on Wednesday's show, so that's going to be great. So go ahead and call in 1-323-642-1605. One six zero five, and tell me who you think is going to win the Super Bowl. Again, that's one three two three six four two one six zero five. But until we get a call, I'm probably going to go ahead and move on down to our next sports news story here, and that's going to be wonderful. All right, so Jeff Gordon leaves a lasting impact on NASCAR. Now, in retrospect, it was passing of the torch that almost seemed staged. Richard Petty, NASCAR's king and seven-time champion, was retiring after the 1992 season, and his final start would coincide with what was Jeff Gordon's first career race. Twenty-three years later, Gordon is now the superstar driver, driver calling it quits, announcing Thursday he is stepping back from a full-time schedule. Although he refuses to use the word directly, Gordon is effectively retiring. And we've got our first caller of the evening here on the Alice Carnelli Show. Happy Saturday, and thank you for calling in to the Alice Carnelli Show. Yes, how are you doing, Alex? I'm doing great. How are you doing tonight, sir? Not bad. I heard your pick for who's going to win the Super Bowl, and I have to disagree with you. The Seahawks are going to whoop the Patriots. (laughs) <laughs> we'll have to see about that. I don't know. It could happen, though. Yeah. There, anything's possible. They're going to they're gonna whoop them. I hope the Patriots don't even score a touchdown. <laughs> I don't know. But we got a bet going on, don't we? Yeah, we do, and I hope to God I win that one. <laughs> you'll, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. I'm sure if you win, I'll send you some great stuff. I hope it goes just like last year's Super Bowl. I know, last year I picked the Broncos and I got totally crushed and destroyed, so I hope it's not two years in a row for me. Oh, I think it's going to be. <laughs> I'll be in for a rude awakening again then. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, I'll let you get back to your show. I just thought I'd call in and ravel you about it a little bit. I appreciate that. It's kind of fun. It gets me away from reading sports news, so it's fun. Okay, well, have a great rest of your show, Alex. I'm going to get back to listen. You too, thank you. All right, don't forget you can call in at one three two three six four two one six zero five to discuss who you think is going to win the Super Bowl. Now let's get back into um, Jeff Gordon retiring. 
Now, that Gordon is retiring at the age of 43 isn't surprising as the combination of a bad back and a young family at home made the once unsinkable more alarming. Even a 2014 season where a rejuvenated Gordon won four times to put forth a serious championship push wasn't enough to convince him otherwise. So the driver, once known as Wonder Boy, will embark on one final campaign to win an elusive fifth championship and fulfill the drive for five mantra he's incorporated since 2001, the last year he won a title. But don't think for a second, however, that those 13 years since Gordon's last championship make him some has-been who should already be retired. As of 2014, in 2014, he demonstrated he's still as good as ever. Yeah, the wins don't come quite as easily, and he's now part of the establishment instead of the young upstart, but Gordon is still competitive and certainly just as relevant. And that legacy goes behind just checkered flags. As NASCAR blasted to once unimaginable heights with record crowds, television ratings, and the like, Gordon was the face of that explosion. Just as comfortable in the boardroom as on the racetrack, his popularity soared, and with it he brought stock car racing into the American consciousness. Companies that previously would have never thought of it being associated with their primarily southern east and sport took notice. NASCAR expanded its presence throughout the country with new multi-million dollar tracks blossoming in Dallas, South Carolina, South California, Chicago, and Kansas City. Why? Because Gordon made NASCAR mainstream to the point even non-race fans recognized him. 23 years ago, it would have been preposterous to think a driver would guest host Saturday Night Live or be name dropped in a Nelly song. I think that is the greatest thing I saw was in those mid to late 90s was the growth of the sport and moving all over the country, Gordon said. And during that same time, the fans and their avidness for the sport was growing further and further and further. The core was still the southeast but you started seeing it to be recognizable behind that and throughout the United States of America. It was fun to be a part of that and an incredible growth. Just going to the racetrack and every weekend the grandstands were filled. They were putting new grandstands in and they fill those. They put more grandstands in and they fill those. It was very cool. Now, with wins and championships becoming commonplace, another new era was ushered in. A former sprint car driver from Indiana, Gordon wasn't like the vast majority of guys who weekly made up the cup field. A desperate search to find the next Jeff Gordon was soon underway, forcing car owners to expand their horizons outside the south by looking to the dirt tracks spread across the country. As a result, opportunities would eventually be awarded to Tony Stewart, Ryan Newman, Casey Kane, Kyle Larson, and a host of others, all because of the past Gordon forged. I don't think I'd have my opportunity without Jeff paving the way, Stewart tweeted. No one is bigger than the sport, and yet Gordon came close. 
He is a legend, a trailblazer, and a champion. And beginning next year, he will be retired. So Jeff Gordon announced this year and announced this week that this is his last and final year of being a race car driver and participating in NASCAR. So if you're a Jeff Gordon fan and you like racing, this is your last year to see Jeff Gordon as a racer, which is kind of sad, but I don't, I'm not too big into um, race cars, so um, I just wanted to share that with any of you out there that are. That are. And the final news story for sports that I'm going to share is Ernie Banks, the legacy of Ernie Banks is fabulous in baseball, especially in Chicago baseball. He was probably perhaps the best Chicago Cubs player of all time. And Ernie Banks passed away this week, so I would like to welcome and give him a well-deserved rest in peace. You have left a big legacy to the MLB and to the Chicago fans. So rest in peace, Ernie Banks from the Chicago Cubs. So let's go ahead and give Ernie Banks a moment of silence, please. It's time for the Alex Cardinal Show to lay down the smackdown on this segment. Alex will be recapping WWE Monday Night Raw and WWE Smackdown from this week, right here, right now, on the Alex Cardinal Show. for a WWE review here on the Alex Cardinelli Show. And we're going to do this every week on the Weekly News Hour. We're going to review WWE Monday Night Raw and WWE SmackDown this week. And this week is a special week for the WWE because it is um, going to be the WWE Royal Rumble tomorrow. That's right. Tomorrow is the WWE Royal Rumble pay-per-view, and that means that this week's Raw and SmackDown were the go-home shows before the very big WWE Royal Rumble pay-per-view taking place tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern on the WWE Network and pay-per-view. But if you watch the Royal Rumble on the WWE Network, you can get it only for $9.99. That's right. In the WWE Network, it's only $9.99. But if you have to watch it on pay-per-view, it's $44.99. Anyways, this week's Raw, Raw was pretty awesome, actually. It was probably the best Raw of 2015, and that's saying a lot because 2015 is still an immature year because it's still brand new. So I enjoyed Raw this Monday, and it was Raw Reunion, which means we saw the return of a ton of brand new, I mean brand new, what am I talking about? We saw the return of legends to Monday Night Raw this week. We did see a brand new 
uh, superstar on WWE Raw. We, we saw the emergence of the icon Sting in WWE. He's brand new to WWE, but he's not a brand new superstar. So we saw some legends reunite with Raw, Raw reunion this past Monday. Anyways, enough me acting because once I start yakking, I can't stop and sometimes they get off topic. Let's get to the WWE Monday Night Raw review. Raw starts off with Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar walking to the ring. And Heyman goes to cut a promo, but Brock cuts right to the chase and tells Seth Rollins to get his ass out there to fight. Brock says it's time for business since he's there, and he's not surprised Rollins is nowhere to be found right now. Triple H comes up to the ring and says he knows Brock is upset, and Rollins might have embarrassed him, but he remembers Brock superplexing Rollins first. He says they should all calm down and settle things down like businessmen. But Brock says if he's not there, to, if he's not here to fix it, Ace must be there to fight. Heyman pleads with him to calm down. Then Stephanie McMahon walks out with Kane and Big Show and asks to be level-headed about this. Stephanie says they're just trying to help. Then Seth Rollins appears on the Titantron and says Brock is always two steps behind, but he'll get his chance to fight him at the Royal Rumble. Heyman tells Rollins to let the adults talk now, and he says they need to fix this before Brock does, because they'll be faced with a depleted roster if they don't. John Cena cuts them off and says they are they already signed contracts and fought each other, but he actually wants to talk to the authority right now. He says they wanted John Cena to join them, then they wanted to get rid of him, but all he has to say is keep it up because it keeps driving him to never give up. So this is a very, very long promo, but in the end... Um, this promo led to a match that John Cena was going to have later on in the night where Cena had to face um, Big Show, Kane, and Seth Rollins in a three-on-one handicap match. And if John Cena lost to Kane, Big Show, and Seth Rollins, he would lose his opportunity to participate in the triple threat match for the world title tomorrow at the Royal Rumble. And if he won, he would he would re the authority would rehire Dolph Ziggler, Eric Rowan, and Ryback, which were previously fired by the authority. Then we've got Daniel Bryan versus Bray Wyatt as the first match, which of course Bray Wyatt won after Kane attacked Daniel Bryan after the match and choke slam him. With so Bray Wyatt run with interference from Kane. Then we've got the first legends in the ring. We've got a Royal Rumble Legends panel hosted by Brian Saxton. We've got Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and Shawn Michaels in the ring. Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan say John Cena should get to win the three superstars' jobs back. But Ric Flair says no. They talk about Flair winning the 1992 Royal Rumble and how great it was. Then Saxton asks HBK and Hogan about their Rumble wins too. Now, Saxton asked the three Hall of, Fame leg Hall of Fame legends who they picked to win the match. Shawn Michaels said he thinks Bray Wyatt is the person to win the Rumble. Then, HBK and Hulk Hogan exchange some words and get ready to fight, but they resolve it quickly. Hogan picks Daniel Bryan, and Flair says he likes the guys on the wild side, and he picks Dean Ambrose. I have to agree with Flair. I'd love to see Dean, Dean Ambrose win the Royal Rumble. Big Show walks out and says he knows why I didn't pick him to win, and he beat Hogan for the world title his first night in WCW, and that haunts him. He says Flair was the man, but he took Flair out of his top spot, and Flair hates that, so that brings him to HBK. 
He said HBK slowly faded out of the picture because he would have eaten him alive. Then he calls them all washed up has-beens, begging for attention. Another long promo that I feel was kind of forced. Um, I'm not really into Big Show anymore. I think Big Show needs to retire pretty soon. He can't make up his mind whether he wants to be face or heel or face or heel. I'm kind of just sick and tired of seeing Big Show. So this is the year that he actually really does retire. But anyways, Roman Reigns come out. Show says if Reigns steps in the ring, he will knock out Reigns. But anyways, Reigns beats the hell out of the Big Show. Then we've got Dean Ambrose versus Bad News Barrett, with the winner being Dean Ambrose. The New Day, Xavier Woods versus Tyson Kidd and Tesaro with Adam Rose. And the winner was The New Day. And perhaps one of my favorite segments of Raw Reunion was the NWO returning. The NWO was perhaps one of my favorite tag teams. DX is my all-time favorite, but the NWO is my second. So the NWO, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Xbox come to the ring and Hall take the survey. Then Nash plugs, plugs the WWE Network, and he talks about starting the Monday Night Wars. Nash says they're responsible for everything great ever. The next pack pumps the crowd up before the obsession cuts them off. Victor says all he sees is three old dogs waiting to be put down, and Connor says they'll be the ones to do it because no one is better than them. Hall throws his toothpick in their face, and they all start to trash talk. Then JBL tells them to hold up. He has a lot to say about this. The APA reforms, and soon after that, the New Age Outlaws come down, and they fight the accession, and JBL hits a wicked clothesline from hell. Rusev versus R-Truth, Rusev destroyed R-Truth, and in the main event, we've had John Cena versus Seth Rollins, Big Show, and Kane, and the winner of this match was John Cena, but John Cena won from the appearance of the Vigilant and the Icon, Sting, my personal favorite wrestler of all time. That's right, Sting debuted on WWE Raw this past Monday. So for those of you who missed WWE Raw, make sure you go watch it because Sting debuted and I like Sting. Sting was a personal favorite wrestler of mine when I was a kid. And now Sting is a personal favorite wrestler now that I'm an adult. So I'm very happy to see Sting in a WWE ring. So Sting debuted on Raw this past week, and that was great. I really did enjoy seeing Sting on Raw. All right. Now let's fast forward to the WWE SmackDown review. Daniel Bryan comes out on SmackDown and says he can talk about his match against Kane tonight, and he can also talk about how he spent every day thinking about winning his WWE Championship back. He says he could talk about Sting being on Raw or how the authority still sucks, but he won't because John Cena did something really important, and he knows some other guys who have something better to say. Ryback, Dolph Ziggler, and Eric Rowan are welcome to the ring. And Ryback says this is his dream, passion, and life, and no one takes that away from him. Ryback says thanks to Sting and John Cena and the WWE Universe, and they are all reminded, they all remind the world that the authorities suck and their games are over, just like he is. Rowan takes the mic and says being gone 
was sort of a blessing because he had time to think, and he used to be a different person. He was a naive puppet. He said he sees himself in a new light the past few weeks, and he knows who he really is. Dolph cracks a few jokes before he says he was close to proving he belongs on top, and he proved himself at Survivor Series before the authority took it away. And that was a long, long promo, which eventually saw Seth Rollins interrupt. There's got Dolph Ziggler versus Bad News Bear, and if Ziggler wins, he earns a right into the Royal Rumble. And Dolph Ziggler did defeat Bad News Bear to earn himself a spot in the Royal Rumble. We've got Ryback versus Rusev, and if Ryback won, he would earn a spot in the Royal Rumble, and the winner by countout was Ryback. We've got Brie Bella versus Naomi, and the winner of that match was Brie, Brie Bella. Eric Rowan versus Luke Harper. Luke Harper beat Eric Rowan. And finally, we've got Daniel Bryan versus Kane. And the winner of that match was Daniel Bryan. But after the match, Big Show comes out and hits Bryan from behind. Then he carries him to the ring and connects with the body punch before the rest of the authority joins in. Dolph Ziggler, Ryback, and Rowan run down to make the, sa- make the save. Then the entire locker room ends up spilling out into the ring. And we get a Royal Rumble preview. Everyone is fighting in each corner. Roman Reigns runs out and sends Big Show to the floor. Then he super punches Miz and Mistow for Brian, Ambrose, Reigns, Ziggler, and Ryback are left standing tall. The last SmackDown before Royal Rumble. All right, so we all know the Royal Rumble is taking place tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. And I did a 2015 Royal Rumble preview show with a great guest, my first guest of 2015. I did that show on Thursday. So go ahead and take a listen to that great show, the Royal Rumble 2015 preview show, where Jeff and I made our 2015 Royal Rumble predictions. And Jeff and I are going to do a Royal Rumble recap show this coming Thursday here on the Alice Cardinelli Show. That's right. This coming Thursday, Jeff and I are going to do a Royal Rumble recap show. So it's basically going to be a week full of Alice Cardinelli shows for you. But we'll discuss that on um, we'll discuss that when we get to the Alice Cardinelli Show news. Now it's time for our next segment here. It's time for the crazy Alice Cardinelli to share his quotes with you this week. All right, so here is my quote for this week. Great works are performed not by strength, but by perseverance from Samuel Johnson. Perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence from Vince Lombardi. As we express our gratitude, we must never forgive, or, or excuse me, I made another mistake tonight. I got a lot of mistakes tonight for some reason, so I apologize for that. As we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them by John F. Kennedy. So that quote was from John F. Kennedy, and I really did uh, enjoy that quote from John F. Kennedy. All right, so moving on down to our 
Next quote for this week is, I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion from Muhammad Ali. And those are this week's quotes. All right. Now, our final segment for today's show is going to be news for the Alice Cardinelli show. And I've got a lot of news for you to hear. So listen, and I'm going to steal a quote from the Sarge, Sergeant Slaughter. Listen here, you maggots. Is that an order? So here is the news for the Alice Carnelli show for this week. We've got a Super Bowl 49 preview show live this Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Wednesday, January 28th, 2015, at 9 p.m. Eastern, um, the Alice Cardinelli Show will be doing a Super Bowl 49 preview show. So make sure you join us live Wednesday, January 28th, 2015, at 9 p.m. Eastern, because we're going to be doing a Super Bowl 49 preview show. Now, I'm going to be discussing who I think is going to win the Super Bowl and why. I'm going to be discussing how to have a great Super Bowl party. I'm going to be discussing um, how the Seahawks and Patriots went to the Super Bowl. And I'll discuss my favorite Super Bowl of all time. So join us for the Super Bowl 49 preview show Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. We're also going to have a Super Bowl 49 halftime show, which is live Sunday, February 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern. That's right. I, Alice Cardinelli, and my co-host, Jeff, will be having a halftime show next Sunday, February 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern. So we're going to recap the first half of the game, and we're going to offer our picks who's going to win the Super Bowl based on the halftime score. So join us for our very first ever Super Bowl halftime show next Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern. That's going to be an awesome, awesome show, and I can guarantee you you're going to enjoy it. Again, I'm going to take a word from Sergeant Slaughter. You bet. It's to listen to that show. It's going to be great. I actually like Sergeant Slaughter. He's actually a pretty cool wrestler. But anyways, make sure you join our halftime show next Sunday, February 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern. Now, for those of you who have been patiently waiting for my next guest, I've got two great guests coming up on the Alex Carnelli Show. My next guest interview is actually my next episode of the Alex Carnelli Show. That's right, live Tuesday, January 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern. I welcome my good friend, the controversial Kason Bolton, to the show. That's right, Kason will be live on the Alex Carnelli Show as a guest at 8 p.m. Eastern. Now, Kason is a disabled black man. He unfortunately had an accident as a young man. And he's going to share his story on how he got disabled. He's also a poet, so he's going to tell you guys how to become good poets if you're into poetry. And we'll talk about some controversial topics and such. So join us live this Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, as I welcome Kason Bolton to the Alice Cardinelli Show. I can guarantee you it will be an awesome show, and I won't have any mistakes on that show. I'll be ready for that show. Um, 
I'm looking forward to that show this Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then Monday, February 2nd, 6 p.m. Eastern, we've got one of our sponsors on the show. I've got an interview with Jambox. The owner of Jambox is coming on the Alice Cardinelli Show Monday, February 2nd. So if you're wondering exactly what Jambox is, he's going to explain it to you. And if you're into guitars and music and things like that, this is going to be the interview for you. So Monday, February 2nd, 6 p.m. Eastern, we've got the interview with Jambox. And then, of course, Tuesday, February 3rd, we've got one of my favorite series coming to the Alice Cardinelli Show. Cooking with Alice Cardinelli debuts 8 p.m. Eastern here on the Alice Cardinelli Show. And instead of me yakking about it, I'm going to play that commercial one more time for you. Hey, do you love to cook? Do you love to bake? Well, I've got great news. The fantastic and wonderful Chef Alex is coming to the Alex Cardinelli Show on Tuesday, February 3rd, 2015. That's right, Chef Alex will be hosting a series right here on the Alex Cardinelli Show. The name of the series is Cooking with Alex Cardinelli. And Chef Alex will share his delicious recipes with you, his delicious tips and tricks to make you become a great chef at home. So join Cooking with Alex at the debut live Tuesday, February 3rd, 2015 at 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Alex Cardinelli Show. On our debut episode, Alex will be talking about cookies, cakes, and chocolate. You will get delicious cookies, cakes, and chocolate recipes. So, be prepared for Chef Alex to bake a storm on February 3rd at 8 p.m. Eastern. Awesome, so I can't wait for the debut episode of the Alice Cornelli Show's Cooking with South Cornelli, Tuesday, February 3rd at 8 p.m. Eastern. We're also going to have the Cooking with South Cornelli Valentine Show. So there's going to be two Cooking with South Cornelli shows for the month of February. But starting in March, there will only be one episode of Cooking with South Cornelli until the next holiday. Then we've got Tuesday, February 10th, the return of our history series. We just finished the history of the United States, which was a great series, by the way. I enjoyed the history of the United States series. I really did like that. So, Tuesday, February 10th, the history series returns with the history of Walmart. That's right. We're going to have the history of Walmart coming up on Tuesday, February 10th. All right, we're down to my last two news for the Alice Cornelli Show. Do you want to be a guest on the Alice Cornelli Show? Well, contact me. You can contact me on my personal Facebook account, Alice Cardinelli, or email me about my personal email account, AlexGoYankeesCardinelli19 at gmail.com. That's AlexGoYankeesCardinelli19 at gmail.com or Alice Cardinelli on Facebook. I'm looking to interview guests, so if you're interested, please contact me. Anyone can be a guest. No one's too old or no one's too young. So come join the Alice Cardinelli Show. You can talk about anything from sports to politics to religion to, let's see, cooking to, uh, let's see, uh, 
motivations to speeches even. So just come on and be a guest on the Alice Carnelli Show. Promote your business or whatever you're serving and get your voice out there. So if you want to be a guest on the Alice Carnelli Show, please contact me. And my last announcement for this week is, believe it or not, we're quickly approaching another our first milestone. That's right. We're quickly approaching our very first milestone. And that is we're going to be hitting our 50th episode pretty soon, and I'm very, very, very excited about that. Right now, we're only at 24 episodes, but we're going to be quickly approaching our 50th episode. And next Friday, on our next news hour, we're going to be at episode 30, believe it or not. Oh, excuse me. That's that's not uh, next week. That's actually my cooking with Alice Grinelli shows up at about 30. But next Friday, we're going to be episode 27, believe it or not. So we're quickly approaching our 50th episode. So that's wonderful. And it will be sometime in March. But I will have more details on the 50th episode as the time approaches. I just wanted to get it out there that we're quickly approaching our 50th episode. And we're going to have a special celebration for our 50th episode. We're going to have a ton of guests on the show. We'll have prizes and things like that. So that's going to be wonderful. Well, I better get off the air tonight because I'm making so much mistakes. You guys are probably laughing at me. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's show. I hope you guys have a great Sunday. We don't have a Sunday show this week because I'm going to be watching the movies. I'm actually going to be going to the movies tomorrow, and I'll be watching the WWE Royal Rumble. So I'm not, I don't have time for a Sunday show tomorrow. So have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll see you this Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern as I interview my good friend, the controversial Kaysen Bolton. Until then, have a great rest of your weekend. If you guys do watch the Royal Rumble, I hope you guys do enjoy it. And remember, there is no Sunday show tomorrow. And if you did enjoy tonight's show, even though I had a lot of mistakes, please share this show on social media. Post it on your Facebook account, post it on your Twitter account, and please post it on your Google Plus account. Also, please give a like to my Facebook page, The Alice Cardinelli Show, so I can get some more fans there. So go like my fan page, The Alice Cardinelli Show on Facebook. I will have a Twitter page for The Alice Cardinelli Show, and I'm in the process of creating a Google Plus page for The Alice Cardinelli Show as well. So with that being said, thank you for listening to the Alice Cornelli Show, and I hope you guys have a great weekend. We'll see you Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. I'm your host, Alice Cardinelli, and I'm signing out. Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Alex Cardinelli Show, your one stop for anything sports, news, politics, and general chat. Make sure you join us each and every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, and Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Please like our fan page on Facebook. Log on to Facebook and type in the Alex Cardinelli Show and click like. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Check us out there. For more information on our show, check out our webpage, blogtalkradio.com forward slash crazyalextalks. Have a good night, and thanks for listening to The Alex Cardinal Show.